Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. Hey, special thanks to Paul Reed Smith. They make some of the best guitars in the world, and I'm so proud to have them as a sponsor. Check them out at prsguitars.com. All right, today on the old podcast, we have Jeremy McComb. I met Jeremy a long time ago, and we immediately struck up a friendship based on songs and guitars and a lot of laughing. Jeremy spent years on the road as a tour manager for Larry the Cable Guy and as an artist. He's a smoking writer, has a super cool voice, and he's always got a great band, and, and like I said, he loves to laugh. We recorded this on his tour bus, who he's affectionately named Dolly, and we decided to both use it, so it's over on his podcast also, which is called Too Dumb to Quit, with the number two, not the word two, but check it out. I think you'll uh, like it. There's a lot to this guy, and I freaking love him. There's Jeremy McComb. All right, friends and neighbors, and uh, welcome to the Too Dumb to Quit podcast. We're doing something a little different this week. We're doing a dual podcast. I think they call it a smash cast. A smash, ooh. A smash cast in my day <laughs> would have been something very different than that, and there would have been more people involved. And they wouldn't have all been dudes. <laughs> well, a smash cast in the 60s is when they did a plaster cast of your penis. Did wow, you know that? I did. Yeah. Do you know what town that was in? Uh, I'm gonna guess Pennsylvania. It was Pittsburgh. Was it really? Pennsylvania is not actually. Fuck yeah! How did I know that? It's actually not a town. Okay, but, well, it's not. Pittsburgh isn't. They called this the two. It was two sisters, and they called them the Plaster Casters. The plaster Casters. Yep. All right. Before we get more into uh, <laughs> Dick Plasters, I want to talk to you about who I've got on the show today. This is my buddy Bart Almond. Bart is a hit songwriter. Bart is a record promoter. Was a record promoter. Was. Is a record promoter. Bart. Um, snappy dresser. Snappy dresser. Super fucking great beard. Thank you. Has lots of uh, amazing stories from the road and writing hit songs with some of my heroes. And he's one of my best friends. He's been my friend for a really long time. We got our concealed weapons permits together. We did. In fact, I got off the interstate and saw the sign that said Greenbrier and was like, oh. And you did a, you did a car pop. I did. <laughs> and now I got to have the roof of my car fixed. Yeah, but it looks good. Looks good. 45 and through the top. Yeah. So, Bart Almond, how are you, friend? Fantastic. Now, Bart has a podcast called Thinking and Drinking. I do. I'm drinking out of the, I'm drinking out of the fucking coffee mug right now. That's right. I'm pretty good about that. And uh, drinking the Pete's coffee. You're a coffee guy? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's your brand? Death Wish. I haven't had it. It's good. Is there a lighter roast of it, though? Because every Death Wish thing I see is like, it's like... You know what? Like, this will explode your colon... Kind of the good thing about it is, is it is dark, but you know, like, like some, exactly. <laughs> and also like your humor. Sometimes dark coffee is a little burnt. Oh, hello! <laughs> like these guys. Typically, this is. Yeah, I'm not. He's holding up a, a coffee company cup. Yes, with a satanic angel on it. But anyway, oh. a lot of times their coffee to me tastes burnt. I don't think Death Wish ever tastes burnt. Hmm. I need to try. I don't have a single brand that I... Actually, they have Valhalla Java, which is Zach Wilde's coffee. And oh, it's, okay. it's a little bit more Colombian, a little bit lighter, yeah. 
I jump around like there's times I was buying like really expensive coffee on tour mm-hmm. and like the bags, you know, they're like $14 for yeah. like, a shitty bag of coffee, but they were good. Um, and then one day out of necessity, I bought like a can of like uh, Maxwell house mm-hmm. and it was fucking delicious. Yeah. And I drank it for three months and I'm like, why am I spending $30? It's the coffee that brings you back to every greasy spoon you were ever in, yeah. in your whole life. And you drank nine cups with breakfast. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm good. with you. It's so fucking good. I love Folgers, any of that kind of stuff, man. It's good. Yeah. And so I bounce around a little bit. Ted Nugent, Uncle Ted's got a new coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually made from his human feces. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna send this to him. He'll laugh. It's guy. Uh, it's probably called Uncle Ted's Brutal B R E W. Yes. You know, if it's not, it needs to be. Full. Wake you up faster than a fucking arrow through the head. Full bluntal nudity. Yes, dude. You need to be doing his marketing. For that. Well, that's pretty great. I might be right now. Maybe you are. Know. Uh, Maybe you speaking can sponsor of that, my As this podcast. goes further on, I've got a great Nugent story. I got to tell you. Oh, I love uh, that. So thinking in a drinking podcast, which, so what we're doing, I get sidetracked, what we're doing is we're doing a smash cast today, which means we're doing two podcasts in one, meaning you'll hear it on the Too Dumb to Quit podcast, you'll also hear it on the Thinking and Drinking podcast, which is, is it at Thinking and Drinking podcast? Yes, Thinking and Drinking pod on Instagram and thinkinganddrinking.com on the interwebs. Ooh. And uh, there's no G's, it's just thinking... Because thinking and drinking was taken, so I just made it thinking. It was taken? It was. Actually, it was drinking and thinking. It was taking. But it hadn't... Exactly. But it hadn't been used since, like, 2006, and I thought, well... Does that piss you off? Yeah. There's a guy that owns com. Really? And he won't sell it to me. He's not using it. He's not using it at all. So So you have to use... I have to use, like numbers or you have to use right. dot he's like why don't you just buy dot net and i'm like why don't you just fuck yourself dot com <laughs> why don't you go outside and play hide and go fuck yourself no i'm just gonna wait until you forget to renew it and then i'm gonna snap it what's the uh how often do you have to renew it every how many years i think it's every two years if you buy Is it, it really year. yeah do you remember when the so, inter al gore invented the internet uh, I heard about it. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, people were buying up, like, GarthBricks.com, yeah. AllenJackson.com. That's Riverback. illegal now, right? It's illegal now. Because you can, you're the only one that can do that with your name. With your name. Um, our, uh, I don't even know what his job title was, but when I was touring Garth? it. When I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yearwood, please. Yes. He prefers. Sorry, yes. Um, when I was tour managing uh, Cable Guy, we had a dude named uh, Randy. And Randy, Randy is a crack up, man. Randy was a radio traffic guy, but he talked like a morning disc jockey. So he pukes. All the time. Just like, uh, hey, uh, it's so nice to meet you. It's, uh, <laughs> it's 35 degrees outside. That's it's a nice funny. firm handshake. It, That'll it open a lot of doors. Every time you talk to Randy, and I love him, he's probably listening to this podcast, but um, every time you talk to him, it sounded like the breakdown in the Starship song, where it's like, oh, it's a sunny We built the city. Yeah, we built the city, yeah. <laughs> oh, coming on down. Uh, yeah. Oh, coming on down the 101. On the other side of the bridge, it's oh, dry. It's exactly. <laughs> he's like, hey, it'd be Randall. And I'm like, your name's fucking Randy, right? He's like, it's B. Randall. And I'm like, you're B. Rabbit. So I call him B. Rabbit, like, nice. for the whole tour. But he, um, uh, Oh, shit. I, I lost train of what I was talking about. 
what his job was? Oh, yeah. So his... Ah, fuck. I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about? Talking about Cable Guy, talking about jobs, talking about... Uh, yeah. I don't remember. I don't know where you were headed with that. I don't either. It was funny, though. I've been in your head a couple times. <laughs> I'm not going back. So, we're doing the Smash Cast, and I'm trying not to fuck up your podcast. I screwed mine up on the on the regular. Dude. On the Tuesdays. So, well, this is an experimental thing for me. I've it never is, done man. This, before. this cool. is either going to be really fun, and somebody somewhere will hear this and go, you guys should do a morning show. <laughs> It's definitely going to be fun. And we're going to pay you each half a million dollars. In radio? Yeah. And that doesn't happen anymore. Oh, that's right. We'd be, you uh, have to be like Bobby Bones. They're paying Bobby Bones. You know, what's funny about that, about the whole, Bart and I both come from this background. Uh, I worked in radio. Bart works on the record label side of it. Did you do radio too? No. No. So. Once. One time. WSM. Did you? That's a long story. Right, we got time. Well, go ahead. Well, so as the iHeartRadio, right, Clear Channel turns into iHeart, which iHeartRadio, which now turns into iHeartMedia because they can't claim to iHeartRadio anymore. And, but they started lobbying. Everybody's talking about it right now because there's severe cuts. Like 2,300 jobs? It's so bad. That's yeah. just the beginning, dude. It's going to be a bloodbath. Country was the least, but, and I don't know why. I, well, yeah, I don't either. But you know, that company was like six or eight hundred million dollars in the hole, or if not more. Do you not think, do you think that was all by design? I really think that that was all by design. I think it was like money grab, 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 too big to fail kind of a thing. Right. Where it's like, hey, if we go bankrupt, you know, you could at least appeal to the government. If we go bankrupt, the country will lose the infrastructure of Hmm. FM radio. But while they're doing that, they're lobbying for um, to remove the law that said that you had to have a station and a staff in every city. You had a transmitter. They got that law changed. Nobody talked about it. It was like two and a half years ago. So they don't have to have any staff whatsoever. Not now. So literally what happens is... Uh, you can turn transmitters into repeaters. Hmm. And then as that as that started happening with their bankruptcy, that law got changed, goes totally under the radar. Nobody talks about it. And I'm like, oh, man, this is... Because that just signals the beginning of like, okay, we're going to have three nationally syndicated shows. You're yeah. going to have Bobby Bones in the morning. You're going right. to have Stormy Warren or whoever they put on yeah. in the afternoon. And you're going to have these guys in the, in, in, at night. It totally opens the door for that. That's almost what they're doing now anyway. That's exactly what they're doing. But they still need to have somebody in, like, it... If you, You'll have, like, a sales team. But if you play a show in Milwaukee, or what, doesn't somebody from the station come out, or... No. Does that no. not happen anywhere? No. I don't see radio guys anywhere. Unless it's, like, an independent type of radio station where, like, they can come... But like, hey, man, like, I go to Wisconsin, there's a... Um, uh, Iron Country up there. They're mm-hmm. amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have you on every time you're there. The whole staff comes out. Uh, and they actually just bought JBL in Wisconsin, which is a big deal because that's like their big, but it's independently owned. Mm-hmm. And they support 
guys like me. Yeah. They're the reason we sell out shows in Wisconsin. Right. But it's, I don't know. It, you know, I, I feel really bad for friends in radio <sighs> where you're just like, God damn, I just it, hate to see it. Every but, business in the world is looking to cut overhead. Yeah. And. But I also think, on the flip side of this, being a stoic, what an exciting opportunity it is to make something different, to do yeah. something cool. Yeah. Because. I always love the local guys because yeah. it's like every radio station within reason plays the same songs within reason. They're all selling tires and coffee and yeah. direct TV. Like, well, what's different about that? The guy's on the air. The guy on the air. And the guy that you see at the store, the guy that you see at the concert, you know, if you're right. going backstage at a Garth Brooks show and you see Jimmy John there from whatever right. radio station. The person, the, the, the person, the yeah, that, I listen yeah. to your show every morning, dude. Right. I love that, you know, that's gone. Well, and there's still some of those, like, Fresno, there's some guys that stick out to me, like, Fresno is Gnarly Charlie. Mm-hmm. He's still there, and, and he's still the king of that market. And he's still gnarly. And he's still gnarly. <laughs> And then, you know, you got Big Red in Wisconsin, yeah. and, and, you know, but, like, Mike Kennedy was, like, the king oh, of man. Kansas City. no you know? doubt. And, um, but I think, I don't know, man, I, I think it's exciting, especially for guys like me, it's just, like, fiercely indie anyway. Yeah. I kind of like to watch the machine fucking crash. I, I loved, like it. I loved your quote on your website that said, if Music Row burned down, I wouldn't even know it. I wouldn't even know <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't, man. I, I, I miss just, you. You know, it just hit a point for me, and you knew me then, like, when I was just like, man, I just can't. I just can't pretend that. I, I just I can't yeah. do this down here anymore. I wanted to put my destiny, and that sounds really dramatic, but, like, I wanted to put the future of what I was trying to do in the hands of people that liked music, not yeah. in the hands of, you know, 18 businesses on two streets. I told every artist I ever worked with, you decide your, or you create your own definition of what success is yes. to you. Yes. And if success is being the nar- the next Garth Brooks, well, then you should probably learn to live a life of disappointment. Right. Because that's not happening. Yeah. But if you can own your bus, have a band, what did you say? You played 170 some shows yeah, last year and do that. That's success. It's great. You're doing that. It's great. And it's all on your own terms. And it's all on your own terms. Which is wonderful. Yeah. And um, the, it, the machine is wonderful also. You know what? Sure. But it can also yeah. not be awesome. Well, and you don't control the machine. So yeah. it's, if you could control the amount of, hey, when that Cyclops eye is on you, you know, and, and, your videos are on CMT and you're, I don't even fucking know if they do videos on in CMT, but when that Billie Eilish, mm-hmm. when that spotlight's on you where you are everywhere, everywhere, and not that I've experienced that, but I've been around that, yeah. where you're just like, wow, this, this, this is amazing. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And then when that moves, when the little Cyclops eye moves, the one thing that the machine is good at moves on to the next, yeah. you're just, you better have... You better have put together a group of people who want to still come see you play. That that was the thing that worried me the most. Is I'm like, man, these reality like these guys go do reality shows and they take third place and then they go on one tour, two tours, and they've signed away management and publishing and merch. They don't own anything, dude. I think it's fascinating 
also record companies, and and I was as guilty as anybody. You're always looking for the next big thing. Yeah. So when you age out, like I just read that Reba McIntyre is releasing a new record. And I, That's awesome. I freaking love her. Yeah. I don't know who's going to play it. I, I can't imagine country radio will embrace that. I, I don't. I don't. But you know who will play it? Fans. Yeah. That's the cool yeah. part now. Like, man, fuck. I mean, radio is. It's off in Norway. They turned the signal off. FM is gone. Really? It does not exist. So you're saying there's an opportunity. So there's an opportunity here. <laughs> And I don't wish for that. I'm just saying that, like, that's what I love about not having to rely on it. Yeah. If you have a hit, man, that's great. It's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And, and I don't think that, you know, America is on that track of radio going away. I actually hope that it's going to go the other way of those old school, you know, like Wolfman Jack type of stuff. Oh, I, it's just so cool. We, there was a, uh, one of my best friends. His name is Jim Arnold. He had the number one morning show for 30 years mm. in Spokane, Washington. They were called the Radio Men. And it was J- Jim Arnold and C. Foster Kane. And it was a classic rock morning show. And every they were like a, they were literally like a 30 share morning Man. show. It was crazy. And what they were getting paid, I think, would be crazy because they would all do bonus laden contracts. Well, for number one for 10 years, he has to give us another $300,000. <laughs> So the company's thinking, well, they're never going to be number one for 20 years. And they were. But Jim was brilliant. Jim, uh, who I love, he lives in Texas now, and and he got out at the right time, but he would talk through the commercials. And people would pay it, would listen through the stop sets to hear the crazy shit Jim was saying in the background. He would just leave the mic open, and you would hear him kind of be away from it. And they'd be like... Oh, Al's Tire Barn, having a big old uh, sale down here. Al's Tire Barn. Oh, yeah, Al. Al, yeah. Al. I can't believe that guy. Doing more sales. You know, and it was just like in the background. And people would love to listen to it because you're like, what is Jim going to say through the stop set? It's brilliant. That is. That's hilarious. That's a great idea. Yeah. Got to keep you there. Yeah. Listening to a tire commercial. And you feel like you're part of it. Yeah, you're behind the scenes. And then when that guy got off the air, dude, whoever was like middays, it's like the ratings just like fucking bathtub you know so. <laughs> there's a 45 minute tangent for you that's good but so Bart and I Bart has been part of this uh, people are like okay you haven't even introduced who Bart is Bart was writing for uh, Bart's written a ton of hit songs he, he wrote uh, Brand New Girlfriend with Jeffrey Steele and was that Wiseman? Shane Miner Shane Miner I love the story on that. Um, I got a brand new girlfriend. Um, you wrote... Uh, can't Take the Honky Tonk Out of the Girl. Can't Take the Honky Tonk Out of the Girl for Brooks and Dunn. Had I love that song. Bumping for Florida Georgia Line. Oh, really? I didn't know you wrote that. <clears throat> I've, had, I've written over a thousand songs. Yeah. I've had almost 60 cuts, two number ones, and one of them won a Grammy. Wow. So... It's been it's it's an interesting. I feel I do feel like I'll be fifty six this year. Oh, like, you were fucking old. I know. Oh I, my god! I, I am old, Grandpa. So I, I do feel a bit like I've aged out. You know, I mean, I watch. I don't think so. Man. I love watching like Taylor Swift. Yeah. Just because she just continually 
grows and gets older with her crowd. You know, mm-hmm. she's still not trying to write like an 18-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. She's writing like a 30-year-old woman. Yeah. Which is great because her fans have grown up with her and stuff. And I don't know that I've... I've they will bomb your office if you fuck with her. I know. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> they will send death threats to their ex... Their God record. love them. I need some of them to jump on my fucking bandwagon. I got a couple people I'd like to stick on them. What would it take to offend your fans, though? They live to be offended. Yeah, a lot. And my, like, 45 Twitter <laughs> followers, you know, they'd be pretty easy to track down. <laughs> but yes, writing is... is uh, I still... There's probably nothing I like doing more than writing a song. Yeah. And, yeah, the Brand New Girl thing, that week that the three of us wrote, Shane started dating his... <laughs> girlfriend at the time which is his wife yeah still to this day and i started dating amy, amy who was, we just had our 12th anniversary congratulations thanks man and i heard uh, jeffrey tell that story on like a youtube video where he was like we were all sitting there looking at each other and Je- for people that don't know the music business jeffrey Steele is a legendary songwriter yeah. legendary first ballot hall of fame absolute songwriter yeah and um and he was telling the story, and he's like, we're sitting there looking at each other, you know. You got any ideas? Man, none of us had anything. And Jeffrey goes, I looked over at Bart, and I go, Bart, what's new with you? And Bart goes, ah, not much, man. I got a brand-new girlfriend. <laughs> Is that how it went? Pretty close. I think we had written one song. Yeah. And I wrote for Jeff for five years, and never once had we gone. Is that the Three Ring Circus yeah. publishing thing? Never once had we gone to lunch. Really? And that day, the three of us wrote a song, and then Jeff goes, you know what, let's go get something to eat. All right. So we went, and we're, we're, we're leaving Windswept, and Jeff goes, man, that was easy. I mean, the whole song between us maybe took 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. And Jeff what song was it? Was it a cut? Did no. It get cut? No, yeah. the other two never got cut. Yeah. We wrote three songs that day. But... And I don't remember if it was me or Shane, but one of us said, dang, dude, if it's going to be this easy, we all need to get brand new girlfriends. And then Jeff went, that's what we're writing after yeah. lunch, and kind of scratching your head. And I remember being so mad at him because he demoed all three of those songs. And it's like that song, it's like, I came up with a kissy, kissy, smoochy, smoochy part. And it's yeah. like, dude, that's like kindergarten stuff. It's so dumb. It's fun to, fun to say and fun to sing, but I couldn't believe it. And then, Well, you think about like... Some of those Jeffrey songs, though, it's like the she's got a have a bowl, and oh, dude. Like all those crazy, and yeah, he's never been afraid of that, which no. I love too. Um, but the brand new girlfriend thing, it just as fun as that song is, some of the time I think fun songs will like um sacrifice maybe a little integrity, yeah, to be sure. fun, right? I don't think that song does that. Oh, cool. Because I think that that song is so clever with just that, like, it's so candid. Uh, it feels like you're talking to your buddy. You yeah. Know, and it's like, uh, especially the intro to it, when you know, <laughs> which is just, it sounds like you to me because you're fucking goofy like right. that. You know, so I got up on that high road. Get up on that high road. I did what uh, any gentleman would do. I, uh, I got I a brand, brand new girl. girlfriend. <laughs> it's great, man. And it, it's not like, you know, you hear those songs where you're like, wow. Okay, that's a that's a fun song, and then you're like, oh, there's nine writers on this, and right? You're like, Jesus Christ, yeah. you know. But I I, don't, I just don't. I never felt like that song 
I don't know. What year was that cut? Oh, man. I don't know. 2005, maybe? Yeah. It was Steve Holy. Yeah, that's right. That was also yeah. a different era of, like, songs. Yeah, I don't think that song would get cut now. You I don't? I don't think so. I would cut it. I think now, man, everybody is trying to be out out clever themselves and and look all inside and be so heady and mature and far thinking and lofty thinking and i just think that the majority of our friends and fans and us we're not like that yeah i think that's why luke combs does so well absolutely absolutely he's just He's and those songs are all to these kids. Absolutely. And they're really well-written songs. Mm-hmm. Production's good. Yeah. It's not brand new stuff, you know what I mean? But no. it's but it's taken the but yeah, man, I think those songs are great. Yeah, and and I like I felt like Brooks and Dunn did that in the 90s. They just yeah. talked to like the people that were going to the clubs. Yeah. Like line dancing and shit. That still happens in my club. Line dancing is nice. huge. So let's can we talk about your club? Yeah. It, where is it in Port Falls? It's in Post Falls. Uh, Post or Post yeah, Falls. State Line, I have written down. Okay, State Line, Idaho. Yeah. Okay, you said it's killing it in the Northeast. Yeah, Northwest. The big, Northwest, biggest yeah. club up there. Yeah. So, have you, in owning a club, have you changed what you do at that club from being on the road so much, realizing yes. we need more towels, we need more water, whatever that that you used to just knowing what you would like as an artist? Yeah, I think that the whole like I started in this club when I was sixteen. Right. I started playing it. It was called Kelly's. We bought it five years ago, me and my best friend Miller Bob. And um and Bob and I both wanted to take a totally egoless, totally uh, divided approach to how we did things where it was like, okay, Bob has been in alcohol distribution forever. Mm-hmm. That's all he's ever done. So I'm like, you do that. Like, right. You work these reps. So it's you the same know. thing as like the music business. Yeah. It's like reps and relationships and all that bullshit. Yeah. And I'm like, I want no part of that. I don't want to, I don't care about a bartender sick, can't make it. Like, I right. don't give a shit. I'm 2,000 miles away. Yeah. I want to deal with the stage I want to put the axe in, and if you keep a badass staff in there, I'll keep a badass headliner coming in. Right. And between the two of us, we'll create something really cool. And we really have, and I'm really proud of it. Um, over the last five years, the amount of artists we've had through there have been incredible. And the last two years, I really like, we had. Lou Combs the night he went number one. We had Ten Penny the night he went number one. We had um, we just had Rodney Atkins in there. Oh, cool! Rodney killed it. Um, we had Ashley McBride in uh, hmm. two days after her CMA performance. Like fucking crazy, yeah. and working on all kinds of crazy things through the year. But um, for me, yeah, I, I think the thing that I see different is. Um, is just taking an artist approach to when they walk in the door yeah. you know, of like making sure that everything is set from the time you get there. Cause there's so many times you walk into places and they're just like, Oh, uh, who are you guys? Like, when are you? Right. So, and it's like, God, come on. Yeah. So, um, we're really artist friendly. Everyone in our staff goes out of their way to make sure everybody's happy and connected and you know, all that, even just uh, having a Wi-Fi password and knowing like a private bathroom Yeah. somewhere. Like, hey man, here's how you get there. <laughs> like, that's well, important. Too. Doing the stuff that you should be doing. Yeah, trying. Make sure makes the act want to come back. Right. Try. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we've been hopefully yeah. at the same money. Yes, that never happens. <laughs> that never happens. We get them literally like on the way up. We get them. We get them twice, mm-hmm. and then they go to the knitting factory. <laughs> right. You know, and we're like, well, it was whiskey Myers. It was a lot of fun. Yep. We'll see you next time. Yeah. See you in five years. Yeah. on your way down. On your way down <laughs> with me. Yes. <laughs> so you guys, if I may ask you about, saw you play the other night. Yeah. That was freaking killer, by the way. Thanks, man. I love that. First Nashville show in like five years. Dude, that was, and I'd never been to that place. I've never been to that room either. Dude, that Amy, room? Amy shot there, and she told me it's so cool. Wow, dude, it's nice. It's very, very cool. But Shout out to the analog. Yes. But I've, I noticed that you have you playing acoustic. Yeah. Have a young guy playing electric. Playing guitar. And you have a drummer. Yes. And then you have tracks. Yes. And the drummer's running all the tracks, right? Yes. Yes. And I've seen that be more and more the norm. Mm-hmm. And it sounded awesome. Thank you. It, it I mean, it, it sounded, it really sounded so great. Is that your sound guy? No, that's the analog okay. sound guy. Okay. Well, he obviously knows that room really well. Yeah. So is that just a... a, a a saving money thing, not to have a bass player and a keyboard player and all that stuff. And, yeah, a little bit. It and, started that way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, you probably have some turnover. Yeah. And you can't really, when you're as busy as you are, you can't really wait to teach everybody every part. Right. So if you have keyboard parts are already there. Yeah, you got kind of pads and stuff. Yeah. In the beginning, I was, you know, when I first started thinking about it, because, you know, there was a joke in town, like when Sam Hunt was playing, Sam yeah. didn't have a bass player. And everybody was like, oh, you know, hey, look, let's let's uh, use Sam Hunt's bass player this week. You know, like right. it was a joke. And when I first started thinking about it, I was like um, being like kind of a purist uh, when it comes to just like live performance. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking bullshit. Right. You know, I was totally on that train. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started thinking about it and I'm like, why is that? Yeah. Why is, when, you know technology is an instrument now and why shouldn't we use it and so i i decided i was doing a lot of acoustic shows and then we were adding full band but like jake Barr, my bass player mm-hmm. was out with tiffany in london and i'm oh, like wow. fuck I, okay well jake can't play it so now i gotta find a bass player right i gotta find this i gotta find that and then nick was like well why don't you just maybe try tracks you know you could try bass tracks and so Obviously, I, when it comes to my mind, I when live performance, making records, making art, whatever, nobody cares about what goes... And I think Tom Petty said this. Nobody cares about how they made Free Falling right. or who played bass or what. They just care about the final product, how, how it makes them feel, how it sounds. And so I was like, if we're making great records and we have the opportunity to deliver an amazing yeah. performance yeah. to them as a three-piece, It's why not? Why not? Why wouldn't you do it? And then, you know, you start seeing more of like um, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish actually runs the same setup we do. It's Is it Ableton or Pro Tools yeah, Ableton. or Ableton? Yeah. And um, I fell in love with it. Yeah. There is a certain amount of confidence that comes with it because you know the tracks are right. Yeah. And as long as everybody's playing together, it's going to be great. Dude, when I, I was out with FGL for almost two years, and they were using Ableton, mm. and it sounded 
massive and yeah. perfect. And, and you know, the fans that bought the record, it sounds just like the record. Right. And we were playing with uh, Jason Aldean, who's the exact opposite. You know, they even take this standpoint, if we can't play it live, we're not going to put it on the record. Right. So then it was just big guitars and drums and steel, and it sounded awesome. But yeah. it, it was totally different, but it sounded great right in both senses of the word so I, i'm a big fan of both worlds in that sense man yeah i think and i think it's different especially yeah. in country music to like number one like i'm, I'm not doing pop country or i don't yeah. know if that's a good word for it but mainstream kind right. of feeling country yeah so we continue i continue to fall into this weird middle space of like we're not mainstream country but we're too mainstream for outlaw country. Right. But we're way too outlaw for mainstream country. Yeah. And our approach is fucking weird. And wait, you don't have a bass player? Like, I get that shit from club owners. Hold on. So you're a full... We're paying for a full band, but you don't have a bass player. And I'm like, why do you care? Close your eyes. Tell wait until you see the show. Yeah. You're going to shit yourself. I don't think Brett Eldridge has a bass player. And the people that are there are going to enjoy the show. Absolutely. And it's a great show. So, Yeah. That's uh, that was kind of my take on it, and now I love it. Yeah, because it's like, it's also just less shit on the road. Like it's yeah. one less thing to fuck with. Like an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, and I love bass players. I love my guys, but <laughs> yeah, like, of course, on this on this bus, you see how it's set up. Like yeah. we've got room for two people to sleep up front, and then I've got Justin, and then if we have a road manager, if we have somebody filming out here, you yeah, know, it's like. There's a lot you of people have a bunch in of my bed right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to call it a bunk bed, but uh, right. you should have a bunch of life-size stand-ups like of Hank Sr. and Elvis and like Chris Jericho oh, man. on the stage. You go, you know what? Chris Jericho's playing bass tonight. Yeah. There's Uncle I'd have Ted. country purists like, you're shitting on the Bible. <laughs> I'd have people so fucking mad at me. How dare you even fucking, oh, Jesus. You know, and I'm like, hey, man. Hey, man. Hank used tracks. All the time. All the time. Come on. They were train tracks. Hello. But he still used them. Knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think it sounded awesome. And Thanks, man. Hey, dude, if you want to, you have to look at your bottom line every, yeah. every day. Yeah. Plus, and, I just think, I, I don't know. And the music doesn't suffer. No, it doesn't at all. At all. And the only people who ask about it are musicians. Yeah. Or industry people like, oh, right. where's the bass player? Is it probably I don't know. I think London last time I talked. Right. <laughs> He's knee deep in fish and chips. Got that? Yeah, he was playing. Uh, he was playing. I think we're alone now, having a fucking great time at Abbey Road Studios. So, as fate would have it, they were alone. Yeah. But anyway, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, man. I'm glad you came out to the show. I am too, dude. That was fun. Was super fun. I got I got deathly ill after that show. I left. I got a stare. <coughs> Sorry, oh, you okay? I just I just got back from China. I had one <coughs> corona. I had one corona. I'm not even joke about I'm not even joking about that virus. I had one corona that night. Yeah. And um we left, we got back to the bus lot, it was like midnight. I had gotten a steroid shot on Wednesday just because I felt I can tell you a little huge. bit of a cold. Yeah, well, obviously, I'm you're, swole. You're buff. I'm swole. You are swole. And uh, I was like, uh, man, I feel like I'm getting sick, so I'm going to get a steroid shot. And it got me through that Thursday, and then at, like, midnight, it, like, wore off and just death. So yeah. Friday and Saturday, 
I did nothing but sleep and watch Unsolved Mysteries and have like weird Theraflu dreams about people trying to murder me. I like Theraflu. I had a dream that midgets were trying to assassinate me. Not little, midgets, small people. Little, little, little people. people. Small people is not any better. Jesus. <laughs> little people. It's actually an old Stephen Wright joke. Have you ever heard that? I don't know. Stephen Wright says, uh, <laughs> I had a dream that, uh, that uh, little people were trying to assassinate me, so I bought a bulletproof car. <laughs> Since they were midgets, I bought a convertible. <laughs> that was like an old 90s joke before politically correctness. So. Yes. Don't tweet me because I don't care. Right. But, and, and you know what? <laughs> when it comes to right and wrong, you're going to go with what's funny. Yeah. Stephen Wright's funny, man. He was writing on that Louis show. Was he really? Yeah. Like, I I didn't realize how many guys really, um, like, in the comedy world, really, like, respected Stephen Wright. Yeah. Um, He was brilliant and a great writer. Um, To come up with that kind of shit all the time of just, like, I used to work at a fire hydrant factory. You you couldn't park anywhere near that place. (laughs) (laughs) So... Just be like, dude, come on. But for any of those guys, dude, thirty years of one nighters, yeah, not steal from anybody, yeah, and have a completely unique approach, like yeah, and deadpan. He's not no Gary Mule Dare shooting arrows out of his Gibson J two hundred. He's right. just standing there with a ball cap on, talking. Dude, quiet. Night, think about having to write two hours of that. That would take an eternity, and then you have to turn that over every two years. Yeah. Well, you know, um, these guys, little cell phones with people, you know, uh, like Tool now. When you walk in and get frisked, they take your phone and put it in a a bag, and you get a claim check ticket for it because they don't let anybody film their show. Really? And listening to guys like Dennis Miller and stuff, he goes, you know, as a big-time comedian... You're trying to do a new special about every two years. Yeah, well, half the time you're going to Zany's in Nashville and you're trying out you 15, 15 minutes of brand new stuff. You think it's funny, but it may not work in this order. Or maybe I need to change midget to little people or right. whatever, you know, yeah. whatever. And he goes, and then it, by the guy p- had one where he had to change. He was using a, an animal like uh, it was like a lion. And he realized that Puma got a way bigger it's laugh funnier, yeah but it you have to work those out in yeah clubs to absolutely out. and people steal that shit. and he, dennis miller says sometimes by the time you get back to the hotel it's already on youtube uh, yeah. and you're going like that's not even it's not done so then people are pissed at you for two reasons one they come to the show and they've heard it all or they don't think you're funny because right. that joke stuck and now they're not coming to the show yeah, george carlin bombed and i was terrible well it's all fucking new material he hasn't figured it out yet right that's yeah, and I think I think that comedy is at much bigger risk for that than music. Like oh, music, dude. I mean, you know, music. People I want to hear songs over and over and over, but nobody goes to hear a hit joke. I've always know. thought that two most honest emotions in the human capacity, the human psyche, are fear, yeah, and laughter. Yeah, just gut laughter that you can't stop and you can't start. Yeah, because I can hear your song, and because you're my friend, I can go. That, that was great. Holy crap, that sucked. No, I loved it. I've never seen anybody play a G chord before. <laughs> but yeah, you can't fake gut laughter, no. man. That's why comedy clubs, man. You know right off the bat, this is either comedy gold or yeah. you're hearing the crickets. I wish that I had more of that, like because people. You know, I always kind of took a storytelling approach to my shows. So, mm-hmm. like, and I stole it 
like I stole my approach from listening to guys like Jim Croce and and then Christofferson, then down the line Jerry Jeff, and then mm. Todd Snyder, yeah. and Paul Thorne, Sean Mullins. I've ripped off shit from all those guys yeah. and that and jumbled it all together to make my thing. But I always kind of wish that I would have had because people go like, "Man, you should do comedy," and I'm like, "You don't know comedy if you think <laughs> I should be a comedian." Because while I might say I might work really hard, people don't understand. I work harder sometimes writing the stories in between the songs than oh, I do the songs. Yeah, and and I write those down. So like when you look at my set list, I have a set list of my stories in between the songs I'm because sure. I'm like, okay, hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna talk about Snack Shack, Katie, and it's all built. The show is built around because I do I study a lot of comedy because I love it so much. Yeah. Of you know starting early in the show with something that you call back later in the show that right. kind of brings it all together. But um, it's like, the thing I love about comedy is the politics aren't really there. Like, they can keep you out of movies. Mm -hmm. They could keep you maybe off Saturday Night Live or something. But they can't keep people from thinking you're funny. Right. So if you're fucking funny, if you're Bill Burr, yeah. Whether the whether the president of Warner Brothers wants you to be famous or not, you're gonna be famous. Yeah, uh, or you're gonna be successful because you're good. You're gonna be infamous. I wish the music business was more like that, where it yeah. was like this guy's so fucking good, you know he's gonna be, you know. But it took Justin Timberlake for people to know who Chris Stapleton was. Right. So you're like, uh, unless you're in Nashville and we've known him for thirty years, yeah. and we've always gone that guy's freaking awesome. Oh, that guy's amazing. Yeah, he's playing at the Colts. There's twelve people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's true, but when you go to a comedy club, we went to see Jim Brewer yeah. at Zany's. He's just getting better and better. Well, the opening act was the opening act, and literally, you and me on an average day were as funny as the opening act. And then the middle act came out, who was a national act, who'd been on some TV shows and stuff. It's like, well, okay, you can tell that's a real professional right. person. And then Jim Brewer came out and talked about his kids and his wife, and he did 70 Minutes and he never cast, and he never did yeah. any, and, and and he did like eight bits, literally like eight or nine minutes a bit, and they always went back to his family and stuff, and you just go, this guy's freaking awesome. Pro. And you can tell that that's why he's the headline. Yeah. He told the story one time about Norm MacDonald. Like, did you ever watch Norm Has a Show? Oh, yeah. And, oh, my God. I'm so <laughs> pissed that Netflix did not fucking pick that. How yeah. did they not pick that show? They got mad at him for something. For saying something. Which, is insane that Netflix yeah. got mad at somebody. Yeah, Jim Brewer told the story. He said, I was with Norm when he got kicked out of Iowa. And he goes, not <laughs> out of like a building. Not Des Moines. He was kicked <laughs> out of Iowa. <laughs> when they were doing, did you hear that story? They were yes. doing like a college. And they were like, hey, just, uh, hey, we're really excited to have you here, Norm. Just, uh, you know, don't mention anything about gay people. Right. or You know, and like the first thing, you know, they give him this big rundown. <laughs> And Brewer's like, I go out and do my set. Everything's great. Everybody's so excited to see Norm. And he walks out on stage, and the first thing he says, he walks out and says, hey, what about all this gay sex going on out here? He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, just gay sex. It's just everywhere. And he's like, Brewer's like, people are leaving by the hundreds. You know? <laughs> the, the curtain's, the curtain's coming, coming down. down. I was like, wait a minute. Get, just Nor here. get Norm the fuck out of Iowa. Jeez. <laughs> Can you please tell my favorite cable guy story? You were working with him 
He had his bus. You had your bus. Yeah. You were trying to get him, call him to remind him to call a morning show. Oh. You know what oh, I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's the yeah. freaking, uh, this story still. Cable guy never, like, he's the most even-tempered guy ever. And oh, he's Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. He's the easiest human to work with. Like, I... I look back sometimes, I'm like, I wish I would have been a little easier to deal with. Like, mm. I should have been the easiest person to deal with on right. the planet. But I was young, and I was trying to complicate everything. They're st- they still joke about, like, I used to go, like, I have to get up at 5.30 in the morning and park the buses because they have to be perfect. You know, I was such a, a dweeb. <laughs> but, yeah, Cable Guy, we were, so we traveled on two separate buses after he had kind of exploded. Like, yeah. we had this one bus that had, like, me... And uh, maybe a, a rep or our opener or somebody on it. it was, and then he had his own bus. And he was supposed to be doing, like, morning radio. And so um, he's really good at, I mean, dude, he did it for years without anybody helping him. Yeah. Call-ins. Radio call-ins. Yeah. yeah. Every morning. And so my phone starts blowing up, and it's his publicist, you know. And, um, and she's just chewing my ass about cable guys he's not on the phone he's, he's missing fucking radio calling he's you know late. and I'm just like what shit alright and so I, I hang up I'm like I'll get him I'll get him again and it's early you know it's like I don't know it's maybe five in the morning and we're just in the middle of nowhere and so I'm like fuck so I just start calling him and it like goes to his voicemail shit man he's asleep so I call him again goes to his voicemail I call him again goes to his voicemail <laughs> So I, like, come up to the front of the bus, and I'm telling our driver, you know, like, shit, Dan's not answering his phone, he's missing call-ins, and all of a sudden, we're following Cable Guy's bus. Cable Guy's bus pulls over. On the shoulder. Yeah, we're stopping. Here we go. So we pull over on the shoulder on the side of the interstate, and Dan, Cable Guy, Mm -hmm. gets out of the bus and comes, like, storming back to our (laughs) bus, and I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) And he's like, all right, yeah, talk to you later. Hangs up, and he's like... Dude, I'm trying to do these fucking radio call-ins. He didn't say fuck, he never cussed, but I'm trying to do these fucking radio call-ins. You keep calling me. Maggie keeps, all these people keep calling and interrupting. He's like, right in the middle of my fucking punchlines. He was so mad, and I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. Uh, your post is called Shoot My Ass because you were missing. He's like, I'm five minutes behind, you right. know, and it's like. And he's got 30. Yeah. And he's at 26, and I'm five minutes exactly. behind. Exactly, yeah. and it's just like. Uh. Yeah, that was a good one. That that's was... just, but that's also that. That's so typical of like <coughs> they call them a radio tour, which means you're yeah. in on a couch somewhere calling eighty radio stations. It's like, yeah, you were supposed to call in at three thirteen. Yeah, it's now three fifteen. Sorry, I'm sorry. And the and the radio guys will like call and they'll be oh, like, where yeah. where's he at? We're yeah. waiting on him. You know, and it's like just just calm, just relax. Your your station eighty five. Right. And uh, we're getting there. We'll get we'll Just get to you. Calm down. Thanks for playing the record. Yeah. You, are, Appreciate it. Did you get your T-shirts and the ball <laughs> right. caps and the CD? Well, they weren't even playing. We didn't have any records to play. <sighs> like, thanks for selling out the arena, you know. Yeah. But. And we're leaving here with a bunch of money, so right. thanks, thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, Cable Guy's leaving with a bunch of money. Yeah. It was funny when... Well, you saw it. I used to, yeah. <laughs> I used to write down, like, it was such an anomaly when when he just exploded, it was so funny because 
I would write down on like a piece of paper at the end of the night and just like show him what he made. Like a dollar figure? Yeah. Yeah. And he would just be like, wow. What? It was, and it was awesome to watch that happen for him. And then I would write down uh, like $150 on the backside and go, here's what I made. Look at me now. Feel free to add a couple zeros, <laughs> buddy. No, he always, he took great care of everybody <laughs> out there. He's super generous, great guy, and he's still like, even though he's playing golf and counting his money and stuff now, um, enjoying life, which he absolutely deserves. Absolutely, to. man. That guy worked his ass off to get what he has. He's always so kind. He'll he'll tweet about when I'm coming to town in Nebraska and stuff. Yeah, help us try to. Would you call him the? The mayor of Nebraska. The mayor of Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Amy and I, she had, she went, she's from Mississippi, yeah. and she went to MTSU. So we used to get season tickets for MTSU and go to the football games. And to her, that was a big game. It's like, well, yeah, it is a big game. Yeah. It's a big college. This is fun. And I said, man, sometime I want to take you to a Nebraska game. You know, the last time we didn't sell out was before JFK was president. Right. Said it's 80-some thousand people. Oh, so it was people. your guys' fault, that whole thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. Too soon? So, yeah, too soon. 63. But anyway, <laughs> so we go, and my dad gets his tickets, and we're sitting in the end zone, and she's just, she's really quiet, because, you know, anything like that your first time, it's a just a lot to take fans. in. yeah. And everybody's so nice and, you know, and whatever. And I'm getting messages from people that are sitting close to us that go like, are you Bart? And I'm looking around like, who the crap is this? And it was people that I'd known since I was a kid. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's these chrome, look like burritos, flying over my head into the crowd. Is it touchdown hot dogs? So, yeah. Yeah. And I look up. And there's Cable Guy with a giant tray of hot dogs, and he's just watching. And it was so freaking hilarious. He has he always invites people. Like Will Ferrell was up there with him during the USC Nebraska game. Oh man! Um, there was a Marine up there one time. I think there's a video of it on YouTube where they were arm wrestling. The Marine was like, "I'll arm wrestle you." Just got back from Iraq, and Cable Guy snaps his arm in like, half. Cable guy's a big old boy. Yeah, but it's just like... He seriously broke his arm. His arm breaks in the middle. You know, like when your arm just goes like... And it just flops over. It's It might be on YouTube. I've I don't actually know. seen that with this wrist right Ooh. here. So, yeah. You were on like a Trail 90, though, right? Oh, wasn't that big. <laughs> <laughs> Bart was riding a hog. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he's a uh, great guy. It's funny because, like, he grew up in, like, Pawnee City, Nebraska, and they... There was this joke about he used to go over. His dad is a was a pastor, um, and then uh, they pig farmed and stuff like that. So he would walk across the street to listen to the auctioneers, and then he would like buy pigs at the auction as like a little kid. So they'd be like, uh, "What are you gonna get?" And I go once uh, sold the little Danny Whitney from across the street. <laughs> So was he really buying the pigs? Yeah, he would buy these little pigs, take them across the, the road and raise them, whatever. Like, to hear him and him talk about it, it's crazy. Can he do a good auctioneer? Uh, I think he thinks he can. Right. <laughs> his buddy, our friend, his name's Marty Hill, he's a dear friend of mine, too. Um, he, in my opinion, he's actually the voice of Larry the Cable Guy. I mean, really? it's, it's literally the accent. Uh, he's from South Coffeyville, Oklahoma. 
And Marty Hill's a world champion auctioneer. He's damn good at it. Oh, man. And, um, and him and Cable Guy have been best friends for a really, really long time. And I think that that Marty shows up in a lot of the accent yeah. um, for what Larry the Cable Guy turned into. Because hmm. you know? people are always like, Larry the Cable Guy doesn't have a southern accent. you know. And it's like, well, he grew up in Nebraska. But he spent a lot of time in the South, and it acclimates you. But uh, obviously, it's put on. Yeah. You know. Um, but as that line, as the fame got bigger, and, and like, people would be like, how how different is he as a, a person? I'm like, yeah. he's the same person. It's the same. I would say, Larry the Cable Guy is a toned-down version of Dan. Like, right. Because Dan is intense, you know? He's intense about everything that he does. And... Yeah, he doesn't his seem to be family, his kids. Like he decided he was going to play golf, and now he plays like, from what I hear, I don't, I don't see him a lot, but I hear he's playing like you know thirty six holes a day or whatever when he goes out. So that guy doesn't half ass anything. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. One of my favorite things ever was the. It ended up being really sad later on, but Comedy Central roast my first record. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> it was the Comedy Central roast of Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, um, oh, shoot, what was his name? Oh, I totally lost it. Was it the... Um, really funny, really dark comedian. Uh, oh, Geraldo. Yeah, Geraldo. Yeah, great Geraldo. Got up there. How are you so famous? <laughs> where, where... Roasting a character, you're not even a real thing, yeah. and he's just on. And you can tell it; he's literally seriously butthurt about this whole thing. Yes, and he uh, always was. Uh, from and, the uh, from, and I I didn't know Geraldo. I loved Geraldo's comedy. Oh, dude! But he in the Foxworthy roast, which I was at. That was at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. Um, I he. Um, he roasted Cable Guy at that, too. And it that was a weird one because it was like, why are we doing this in Atlanta? Number one, where Jeff's yeah, from with people that like yeah. know Jeff. It was like New York comics on one side, Redneck comics on the other side, and it was this really weird like dichotomy of people on the dais. And, um, and it felt to me like, you know, Ingval was trying to be more of the New York, L.A. kind yeah. of guy that... It, at that roast, and I was just like, man, all right, this is weird. But Geraldo got up and was really fucking funny Dude. at that roast. But it was like, it was also very butthurt. He's like, why are you so popular? I can't fucking stand well, it. Like, he then just couldn't. He Foxworthy just couldn't. looked at him and goes, Greg, Greg. Yeah. He goes, what? He goes, you know what it's like to make $30 million in a year? He goes, he said, do you, no. know, do you know how many crystal burgers you can buy with $30 million? Is that what it was? Yeah. And then he just points and at the cable guy and goes, he does. He does. <laughs> and you could just watch Geraldo's yeah. just started crying. And then like two months yeah. later, he was dead. Yeah. Jeff's fault. Jeff's fault. <laughs> wow. You're going to pin that on Jeff, huh? Like the nicest guy in comedy. Well, you know. that's do do? Geraldo was amazingly funny, man. God, yeah. It was really, it was really, really sad. Um, that night after, so I'd never drank wine before we were at that taping and you couldn't like get up from your table. So it was one of those things where it was like, um, I'm sitting at the table and, um, there's two bottles of wine 
And I'm like, ah, fuck. I'm a whiskey guy, but all right. I'll have a I'll have a glass of wine or two. So I drink the whole bottle of white. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Like, I, like I can like move it. And it's like in a vase. It's not like in a bottle. But So then I go to the next red and I drink that. And I go back to the hotel. Well, we go to the after party, like meet Gilbert Godfrey. And now I'm drinking whiskey. I'm getting pretty fucked up. And I'm like, man, I'm in New York City. I got to get back to my room. I take a cab. I got the spins. I feel like shit. I get back to my hotel room. This shows you how young I was. When I get in there, I pound an orange juice. What a terrible decision. Like the most acidic, sugary, pulpy, sugary, like it's everything that's wrong with what you need, you know? And, um, and uh, so I pound it and I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm like violently ill, you know, barfing. Well, we have to take a jet from New York to Los Angeles the next day <sighs> with, um, with uh, Alan Blomquist the Oscar winning director. He did What's Eating Gilbert Grape. He did all these, the Cider House Rules, Taking Lives, like he did all these amazing movies. And then the Blue Collar movies. And so we were (laughs) having to get on this jet and I'm so I'm like sitting next to Alan and I just kind of curl up on the little couch on this like Learjet and I fall asleep and I wake up Mortif- my feet are over Alan Blomquist's lap. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Blomquist has his laptop like on my shins. Right. Just like doop 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 doop. And I'm like, holy shit, I am so sorry. Number one, I feel like shit. Number two, uh, I have my feet like I'm at my dad's house over yeah. my dad's lap. I just and Alan's that. like, I got kids, man. Lay back down, you're fine. <laughs> Alan, and Alan's one of my favorite people to this day because of that. He's like, I was holding my wife's hair back. She was uh, like, I'm like, oh my God, I love you. Mm. It's amazing. Oh. Yeah. So you had your, your uh, budding bride on your show, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I listen to some of that. I love your wife. Her name is Courtney Hanson, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I don't love her like you love her, but I love her. I love her. Love so, you have three growing kids. Yes. Well, you have four, but she's... No, I have three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kennedy's, uh, Kennedy's 22 20, senior year night, man. Of, uh, of college. Dang. If I was 22 in school, I would have been trying to get out of my freshman year of high school. That was a that was a rough one for me. <laughs> but yeah, she's in college, and then I have six year old son Knox and a two year old son uh, Riker. Dude, Knox is tall. Knox is big. Yeah, big kid. Tall kid. Just cut all of his hair off. It's madness. So you're on the road a thousand days a year, mm-hmm. and Courtney's doing Hallmark movies and everything. Yeah, which I've seen. All of them because I watch all the whole movies. Do you? I do. I love them. If you missed any of them, I hate to spoil it for you, but they all worked out. What? Yeah. Wait a minute. Spoiler alert. But um, how do you guys deal with schedules and stuff with getting the kids to school and fed and changed and you're on mm. one coast and she's in Memphis or whatever? I mean, yeah. My she, my wife is just a saint. She just works it out. Yeah. And we thankfully we haven't had like a lot of like work conflicts where it's like I'm in you know wherever I'm in Montana and she has to go to Atlanta like we've been able to work those out pretty easily we've got some friends down here who are very helpful Mm. 
But for the most part, she just makes it all work. Yeah. She continues to be like a glue and a fabric in my life that I've never had, even since I was a kid. Like, she's a, she's just kind of like a, a uh, pillar yeah. in our house that she allows everyone to just anchor off of and then run as fast as they can the other direction. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? She's amazing. Yeah. Amy's like that for you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't make it. You've been to, how long have you guys been married? Twelve years. And we've been together sixteen. Yeah. So we've been married seven, but been together twelve. Yeah, she's easily the best part of my life. Yeah. I was thinking today. It's like I don't know how many days I would last without her. I mean, to the point where if she goes out of town for a photography thing, yeah, she has to make me a list. Of all the passwords for all the accounts, investment right. stuff. It's like, because I don't know any of them. Yeah. It's like if she came home, if she broke her leg in Atlanta and couldn't get, when she got home, we would probably not have much money and the TV <laughs> wouldn't have TV. <laughs> the dogs would be All of your guitars dogs. would be fine, though. Bart's guitars seem to be fine. Our investment's really gone to shit. <laughs> I did, though. We got a, uh, we did a, uh, a will, and I had to make a list of how much everything was worth. Because I said, wow. I'm 13 years older than her, so I know I'm going first. Yeah. I said, I don't want you getting screwed on these guitars. And you have a lot of highly collectible guitars. I got a couple. They're yeah. kind of fun. You have a lot. I how do, many guitars? I think right now, <clears throat> 54. 54. Yeah. I have a couple. Is like the modest, like, oh. soft brag. Oh, a couple. <laughs> Once you hit fucking 40, dude, you can't go like, I have a couple of, like, soft rag anymore. You just have to be like, I have a fuckload of well, guitars. But, I have more guitars than but, anybody. But they're all investments. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I keep telling Amy. Do you play them all? Oh, yeah. There's probably a couple I haven't played in a while, but... Yeah. Next time yeah. you come to my house and when you get into my little studio area... Yeah. You'll see there's, like, there's probably 35 out all the time. Really? That's on the wall and... Yeah, and I just play whatever mood I'm in Your today. Your fucking or, day was, must consist of stringing and cleaning and tuning. Dude, and I would be the best non-traveling guitar tech ever. Ever. Bring your guitars to my house. I'll put strings on them, and you guys Dude, hit the road. You guys hit the road. You'll be good to go. <laughs> you want me to go where? No. No, no, no. no. no, no. Mm. Yeah. But. Well, you're a hell of a guitar player, so that's fun. I've been told that I'm one of the best guitar owners in Nashville. In your price range. In my price range. <laughs> <laughs> I've also been told I'm a fantastic guitar holder. You are. So. Yes. Cradler. <laughs> what, um, did, you moved here from Nebraska? Yeah. Your family owns like a construction thing. They did Is that own, still going on? Nope. Nope? They owned a worldwide business who was basically floodlighting portable uh, floodlighting you're for, wearing the hat I am that's my name Almond we'll take a picture of that we'll yes. show it. but yeah it was Almond Brothers before the Georgia Peaches were the Almond Brothers and it's portable floodlighting for heavy construction and everything but I still see them all the yeah. time like we'll be on the road I look for them do you really? yeah because it's always on the back like when you go past the side yeah. I was like ah, it's Almond yeah. I know that guy I know that dude but uh, yeah dad sold the the company to uh who was it to who makes the four four stroke lawnmower engines and stuff 
Briggs and Stratton. Briggs and Stratton bought their company. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, Dad's eighty. He doesn't want to be in there working. Yeah. So anyway, take these fucking floodlights, Briggs. Take them. Stratton's like, I don't want him. He's like, you're taking him. <laughs> Briggs says you're taking him. Here's a light in your eye. By the way, this light, they can see it in Lexington. Can yeah, they're it. bright. They're bright. That's awesome, man. It's fun. Anyway, yeah. it's been a good life. I'm, I got you still have dogs? Two. Yep. Miffy and... No. <laughs> Miffy and Muffy. <laughs> well, Bella, our baby, she, uh, she passed away. She? And we have Millie. Millie. And then we have Harper. Harper. And there, when we got together, all Amy's had her whole life was Cocker Spaniels. Yeah. And I said, we can get a dog someday, but I hate Cocker Spaniels. Yeah. And on top of that, I hate blonde dogs because their nose turns that creamy brown, and I hate that. that and no, you. And no girl dogs. Yeah. Because girl dogs are stupid. <laughs> and since then, we've had three blonde female cocker spaniels dumb and, dogs oh dumb they kids. just they have me wrapped around their fingers they're, yeah. they're the best I remember Bella yeah I remember when you guys had Bella she's so sweet how about you uh yeah we're, we're down to Emmy Emmy so Emmy's our German Shepherd uh husky slash pitbull slash I remember Emmy shit smaller she's dog attacking lots of energy lots of energy She's getting older now, man. She's like 12. Yeah. Presley was Courtney's... Well, I mean... Oh, dog, yeah. Presley passed away a couple years back. And then Danny, the cat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he passed away, too. Man. My wife really wants another cat. Like, like bad. I'm not a cat guy. Mm-mm. I just, you know, I'm a loyalty guy, and cats will just turn on you. And I'm, I also kind of like a pet that when you go, Emmy, come here, she comes here. Right. And her cat before that, Danny, would be like that. But I just kind of left it at, you know, we already had the best. So why spoil it with exactly. lesser There's nowhere to go but down, Plus, I'm allergic to him. Well, there's the, not a cat guy. There's the end of the conversation right there. Uh, yeah, but I knew that. Because when I met her, she had the cat. Right. And so it was like, well, if we're going to be together, you better get to know this cat. I look over at the cat, and he's like, Rah! I'm like, fuck. And she has a nice family. And it has a great family. Yeah, so that's... And cats. So and cats. Does her family have cats? Yeah, her parents have cats. Mm. I'm not a cat guy. I think you need to be, like, raised, because every time I'm around yeah, a cat... Yeah, I'm with you, absolutely. It's like, it looks like I have a Coke problem, because I'm just like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm always glad that my nose. somebody loves that animal. Yes. And takes care of it and feeds it and takes it to... The, I'm always thankful for that, but I'm not, I'm not just not a cat. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you are what you grew up with. Yeah. And a cat will turn on you in a minute. It's like, right. Oh, oh, dinner's 20 minutes late? <laughs> think she's killing the children! I noticed you fed the ostrich. Oh, well, the ostrich. They're 600 pounds. Of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> the ostrich. <laughs> 600 pounds. Someone had to stop her from screaming. I noticed you gave the dingo some food. <laughs> it got my baby. Right. So do you want to do my lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. I freaking love this. Okay. What I want, since this is your podcast too. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question that okay. I just want you to answer. Okay. I mean, if you need to think about it, think about it. No, I just, I'm, I'm good at making poor choices quickly. Fantastic. Yes. 
<laughs> this will be easy. It'll be great. What's your favorite book? Um, the uh, Shortness of Life by Seneca. Nice. You a bath or a shower guy? Shower. What was the last gift you gave somebody? Uh, I gave uh, Kelly Hughes the book, Seneca, The Shortness of Life. See? There you go. Yeah. What was the first concert you saw? How old were you? And did you get a shirt? I saw my very first concert I ever walked into was Kiss. Nice. In Spokane, Washington. I walked in. I didn't have a ticket. I didn't have any money to buy a shirt. I snuck into the show as they were singing Beth. And I didn't even know the song. You do now. And then I went and listened to the records incessantly. Yeah. I'm going to go see them cool. next next month. Are you really? Mm-hmm. What is your favorite place to travel? Uh, home. Nice. What's uh, the favorite song you wrote, whether it was a hit or not? Ooh, I'll have to go with or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Favorite songs are all normally the newest one. Yeah. It's like the last one. Right. Know? So... Uh, I really like this song I wrote about Folsom Prison called 13 Steps. It's going to be on the new record. Interesting. Yeah. What's the 13 Steps? It's uh, in Death Row. There's 13 steps from the floor to where they hung you. Really? 13 steps on that. There's 13 knots on the noose, and there's 13 cells in Death Row. And the guy said, do you know why? I got a private tour of Folsom Prison. Hmm. And he goes, do you know why everything's 13? I said, huh. And he said, it's 12 for the jury and one for the judge. I was like, I can't wait to write Writing it. I can't wait to write that this afternoon. Yes. (laughs) Telling you. Oh, I needed to ask you. I couldn't. I'm very uneducated. You had a song on a movie soundtrack that was nominated for a Grammy. What movie was it? Blue Collar 2. Oh, okay. It was that whole soundtrack. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The one for the road. So I wrote like the opening theme, closing theme. Okay. I think you told me that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And a couple of the cable guy little bits in there. What song do you wish you would have written? Oh, God. So many. A brand new girlfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, so many of them. Sunday yeah. morning coming down. It's probably, yeah, Sunday morning coming down. Yeah. Hmm. It's the greatest song of all time, I think. Or Poncho the Lefty. Yeah. Yeah. I always take Amazing Grace. Just because I look at how many people, including God, have had grace on me and I've screwed up and yeah. kind of get, gotten back up and then screwed up and gotten back up. And I mean, I just even look at how many times Amy's forgiven me. Yeah. And it's like, if that's not amazing grace, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. But you have to accumulate that, though. It ain't overnight. To be able to fathom it. Yeah. I was talking about jujitsu this morning. I said, I'm, I'm, Upset that I started it so late because I know that yeah. like I'm only gonna have a short romance with it. Yep. Maybe twenty five years. You know, I mean, like you get older, you're seventy years old, your body's not gonna work yeah. the way it should, or sixty five years old. Or fifty five raises the hand over here. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it's I wish I would have started when I was twenty, but I wouldn't have gotten the impact I got out of it. Right. I get now because it's like so deep for me. I've also learned those kind of regrets like that. You go, well, I wouldn't be who I am now. True. I wouldn't be with with who I am right now. No. I wouldn't have done what I've done. No. I would have done other stuff, and who knows, it might have been better, but... 
Yeah, there's never been anything outside of my life other than music ever until mm-hmm. until now. Like jujitsu is, is yeah, that's the thing I love outside of it. Who else would you still like to write with? Mm, I like writing with Bart Almond. Uh, I've met him. <laughs> Let me put in a phone call. Put in a good word. <laughs> I would love. I love Tony Lane. Yeah, Tony Lane man. is my favorite songwriter. That's a good one. I followed him through Home Depot one time. Hoping he was humming. Just like, man, maybe he'll <laughs> drop a title or saw a title list on the floor. And then I saw him, and I brought it up. I weirded him out. He'll never write with me. Right. <laughs> I, to- I-, I totally hey, fangirled him. You remember that time when you wrote that song? That was awesome. Dude, I'm buying nails. Leave me alone. Just get away from me. Yeah. So, uh... You said you've got guitars. Is there still, I mean, do you still look at guitars? you still want to buy guitars? Do you have a certain guitar out there that you still really, really want? I still play the same. It's... Uh, that Taylor, man, with the hole in it and the pit guard on the top. Yeah. You had that when I met you yeah. 15 years That's ago. That's still my girl. That's yeah. my thing. Hey, uh, I bring one girl to the dance, and I have just enough to back it up in case something goes wrong on the road. What all is on your pedal board? I've got um, a preamp, a tuner, and two tube DIs. So I've got two of the, um, uh, I'm going to flood the name, the really good tube DIs. Uh, Are those the brushed aluminum-looking ones? No, ones? the brushed aluminum one is a Grace Design Felix uh, blender slash like preamp. Okay, I noticed they had lots of knobs on it. There's a lot of parametrics on there. Yeah. And then I just have those like red... What are they called? Like uh, the Phenoms? The uh, DIs? Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, Dan Phenom. It's named after a dude. Um, and they're like kind of the high-end like uh, tube. Mm-hmm. Um, they sound really good with like a J45. So is there tubes actually in that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And um, they, those sound really good, especially yeah. like vintage guitars. But um, yeah, I still... my. Taylor 614 that has a Epiphone head emblem on the headstock. I saw that. Yeah. Still have the endorsement. <laughs> um, and pick guards upside down. I wore a hole through it. I bought that thing brand new when I was on the road with Cable Guy and it's just been with me through. Man. It knows all my secrets and all my favorite songs. Hmm. Probably know some of my secrets. Probably too. some of yours too. So I know you can't talk about everything like you were saying about your new record, but you said you had a Hall of Fame guitar player. Can you say who that was playing your new record? Ted Nugent. Oh, really? Is on the, is going to be on the new record, Sweet. yeah. Which and he's Hall of Fame to me, even though absolutely the clowns up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. No, because he makes Jan Werner n- yeah. nervous, and yeah. he's not political. He makes everybody nervous, and no. I like it. That's so, what I. Every time I go through Waco, I have lunch with him. And me and him just kind of hit it off. Yeah. And uh, I met him through one of Cable Guy's old buddies, um, Todd Haney, who played for the Cubs. And he introduced me to the guy who owned the Miracle Ear in Texas, who knew Ted, you know, because Ted stands in front of Marshall Halfstacks his whole life or whatever. Yeah, he's a little deaf. And, um, and we've gone to lunch every time, and it's spirited and hilarious. Yeah. Last time I was there, he gave me a ride in his Dodge Charger Demon Hellcat. <sighs> custom made has a launch button in it it's the scariest course yeah he used to have those early 70s broncos that he had so modded they were like 600 horsepower yeah i think the the car that i rode in it was close to 900 yeah well the hellcat starts out at like 715 or something 
and all the like you hit the launch and all the but all the wheels turn at the same ratio so they don't spin. Right. It's it's a lot of power. So you said you had a funny Ted Nugent story. So last time I went to have lunch with Nugent, we uh, we met him at a little dive bar or not bar a, a dive Mexican restaurant in Waco outside of Waco. Isn't it weird that he doesn't live in Michigan anymore? Yeah, he splits his time, does yeah, his summers. He up still there. has his place, but and um, and so we he's always on time. That guy he beats everybody there. Yeah, and. We got there at the same exact time, so I'm like, oh, Ted's a couple minutes behind because we're getting, arriving at the same time, and I'm always a couple minutes behind. You're just tapping your watch. And uh, he gets out of the car, and he's in a little bit of a hurry. I can tell he's a little amped up, and he's got blood all over him. Okay. And I'm like, Probably not what's up, man? And uh, <laughs> he goes, let's grab some grub. He goes, uh, I got some shit that's going to blow your mind. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know. I can't fucking wait. Justin, my driver's looking at me like, this is going to be good. So we go in and we sit down and he's like, you know I don't do drugs or alcohol. I'm like, right. And he goes, I get high on adrenaline and the parts of the female anatomy. Right. And he goes, and I'm higher than I've ever been right now. I'm like, well, I hope the blood is not from one of those. And and he said that he does this little campfire in the morning, right? Sometimes he Facebooks live, Facebook lives mm-hmm. or whatever. He was out there, and he's got a couple of dogs, and a couple of his dogs had gotten a hold of a calf of some 800-pound African gazelle he's got out there, whatever it is. And so he goes through a fence get to get his dogs off this thing, because he's trying to say he doesn't want his dogs killing this thing, obviously. And he's like, man, it's the last thing I want. Yeah. And he says, I just felt something on the front of my neck, and I saw a flash. The next thing you know, he's just getting stomped. And the, the mother had run him down. And the thing he felt on his neck was her horn, her antler. It just missed his throat. He's like, you, yeah, you'd be sitting here ordering enchiladas. Your Uncle Ted would be bleeding out in the field. I mean, he was like, you were almost the last one to talk to me. Man. And so. Yeah, he raises a lot of weird African. Yeah, a lot of trophy yeah. type of stuff. And, um. And uh, this thing starts stomping him, trying to kill him. Mm. And was he said the only thing that saved his life is he had a ten millimeter on him. He said a nine millimeter wouldn't have done it. Right. And so he had to sh- he had to kill it. He's like, man, I just had to turn and unload this thing. And uh, he goes, man, the last thing I wanted to do is kill this thing. He was just trying to take care of its calf. Yeah. I was trying to take care of its calf. And he goes, hey, it's crazy. So right there. They're dressing the meat right now. We're going to send it over to a homeless shelter. He donated yeah. all the meat to a homeless shelter. And he was like, so I'm a little amped up. So he's covered in blood, telling us a story about how he was almost just murdered by African gazelle. And he's like, so then she comes around the corner and fucking nails me. Oh, two enchiladas, uh, pink lemonade. <laughs> you know, you're just like, this is Ted Nugent. You know, it's, it's great. But I'll have the huge. Uncle Ted. Mm. Well, dude, thanks for... Smash casting with me today. What a fun time. So much fun. It's good to reconnect, man. Yes, absolutely. We gotta do it more. Absolutely. It's the uh it's the Too Dumb to Quit Podcast and the Thinking and Drinking Podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Tell everybody on my podcast your uh links again so they can check it out and subscribe. Uh Thinking and Drinking Pod on the Instagram, mm-hmm. thinkingandrinking.com on the Al Gore's internet. Oh, yeah. 
And what are your socials? I am uh, too dumb to quit. Both a number. Number. Yeah. Too dumb to quit. Podcast. Dot com. Nice. And Instagram at Macombover. <laughs> Still. Still Macombover. One of the funniest things yeah, ever. Yeah. People are always just like, "What's wrong with you?" I, said, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. No one knows. Nothing. My is mom wrong. says I'm special. Well, I love you, buddy. I love you too, man. Thank you so much. See you soon. Woo!